You are listening to Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people, where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community from all over the world. Telephone number for text, message, contributions, voicemails, or you just want to get in touch, 1240-681-9869, 1240-681-9869. Aaron's Opinion 6 at Gmail. Gmail.com, A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. Even consider commenting below on YouTube or even become a patron on my Patreon page. I appreciate the support. You know, on the, I believe it was around the 30th of December last year, uh, 2021, on the, on the calendar, which is ironic because I'm sitting here on the 9th of September 2021 actually recording this that you will actually hear in the future um, in January. So it's very interest, interesting. But of course, you guys remember that on the 30th of December of 2021, I had the honor of speaking with Anna from Blind with a Vision. Well, um, the basically the excitement and the the privileges continue, I suppose we can say, because Anna has a good friend by the name of Alejandro Castillo, or he, he just goes by Alex. So you guys can just remember, remember him as Alex. Um, Alex is, is from Mexico, um, and as I was mentioning in the recording, he Alex is the first Mexican living in Mexico to be interviewed here on Aaron's Opinion. We've had other Mexicans living outside of Mexico, but Alex is in fact the first Mexican in Mexico to be on Aaron's Opinion. So we're very honored to be able to give, um, you know, Aaron's Opinion to, you know, to more people in Mexico, Central America and Latin America, uh, where Anna uh, was saying in her episode that w- where there's actually a lot of blind people that need this content and need to benefit um, from this knowledge. Anyway, at any rate, uh, to make a long story short, or a short story long, however you look at it, um, Alex and I had a wonderful conversation about his life, how he became blind, um, the experiences that he had at the you know school for the blind in Mexico, and basically how he has come to you know overcome things and accept you know and just and just do the best he can. And now he runs um, a nonprofit some sort of an organization. As I am speaking to you today, as I'm recording this on the 9th of September, I haven't at the moment, at this particular moment, um, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of information about the nonprofit. So if you want that, you should comment below on the video and I can try to get more information from him about it. I think by the time this episode actually rolls out, actually is published, I think we will have more information about it. Um, but anyway, Alex is from Puerto Vallarta in the, uh, according to him, the, well, not, not according to him because it's true. Um, I just, I, I'm not very familiar with uh, Mexican geography. So he was telling me it's, he's on the Pacific side of Mexico. Um, and anyway, it was just a really interesting conversation. And I feel that he really, he really got a lot out of it. Um, so yeah, so definitely. So, uh, Alex, you did a great job as I always like to say. Let's call this episode um, Alejandro's Castle, a play on his name. I'm sure he won't mind that, a play on his name Castillo, which he was telling me Castillo in Spanish is the word for castle. So why not? I was kind of wondering what to call this episode, and I had to wonder, I had to mull it over in my mind for a day or two. But yeah, why not? Alejandro's, Alejandro's Castillo, Alejandro's Castle, let's call it. Yeah, let's call this episode Alejandro's Castle. Um, As I like to say, the following episode of Aaron's Opinion was recorded on the 7th of September at 2000 New York. All right. All right. Let's put let's put Alex on and let's listen to Alejandro's Castle. Uh, This is Aaron Richmond. You're listening to Aaron's Opinion. As I like to say, it could be any time around the world on the podcast side. And I hope that more of you in Mexico will tune into this episode when it airs out. Um, but on the radio side, it's a Thursday. It's 12 o'clock. It's time for Aaron's Opinion on Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. 
Welcome back, everybody. And um, I would like to take this time and personally thank our next guest. Um, I will certainly talk about this a lot in the outro or, or in the intro on the podcast side. But tonight, a great friend, and I know this person will, is a great friend of Aaron's opinion, um, a great friend of Blind with a Vision. You guys remember I, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Anna a couple weeks ago. Well, now we have a great friend of hers, Alex Castillo, joins us from Mexico, I believe. Welcome to Aaron's Opinion. Um, so generally what I tell guests and where I like to start these episodes is, so who is Alex Castillo? Who are you? Hello, Aaron. First of all, thank you so much for for thinking about me, about this interview. And uh, my pleasure. Well, I am I am uh, Alex Castillo. My name in, in my full name is Alejandro Castillo, but uh, people call me Alex. So I am Alex Castillo. I live in Mexico in the city of Puerto Vallarta, which is a town on the Pacific coast in the west side of Mexico. And uh, well, I hope that I am able to to explain myself because my English, I mean, it's, it's not that fluent uh, or as, not, you, not no, as fluent as, as no, I no, should. I've told you, unfortunately. No, you see, Alex, did you know that I'm an English teacher and I teach English as a second oh, yes. language? Only? So let me tell you, you aren't going to be able to get off the hook with the excuse of your English isn't good enough because that's not true. Your English is fine. So, oh, thank you. So unfortunately, you can't you can't use English as an excuse. Your English is fine. Your English is perfect. Um, <laughs> I notice that you speak to me very clearly, and I understand you perfectly. And and you know what? And 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 don't and don't be nervous. Don't be shy because it's a podcast. So it's it's an art form. So you know what? None of this is edited. So. It's just go with, you know, go with the flow of the conversation. It's it's really okay. So um, I became, uh, by the way, I forget of all the people that I speak to all over all over the world. I forget what I've told you. So if I'm repeating myself, sorry for that. But I was born blind myself with glaucoma um, and a congenital heart defect. I'm 30 years old and I live in the universe. Um, how did you become blind, Alex? Okay, well, so what what happened with me is I I was born uh, a regular guy, uh, and uh, when I was about thirty something years in my late thirties, I had a what would be a, like a tiny accident. I I got a uh, you know I got hit with a with a tennis ball in my on my eye on my right eye. And this caused me to 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 have some blood on my on my eye. I didn't know exactly how bad was that, but I went to the doctor and he said, "Well, you know, your your eyes is fine, but you lost some some blood, and it's uh, you know kind of making things look bad because I couldn't see." And he recommended me that I should have some sort of surgery to clean up the area because uh, apparently the, the blood was affecting some area in the, in the retina. That's, that, at least that's what I understood. So his recommendation was that I should get this surgery which shouldn't last more than 30 minutes. And uh, after that, I should be fine. And uh, I didn't know what to think at that moment, but I, I totally felt like this was the way to go. I didn't go to get any other, you know, opinion about uh, whether should I have this surgery or not. And uh, so what I did is I, on, on the next weekend, I, I went over to Guadalajara, which is a nearby city. It's about probably 300 miles from where I live. That's a, the, second, the second largest city in Mexico after Mexico City. So I thought to myself that, well, it was a good city and that the hospitals were good there. So I didn't think that anything could, be, uh, could go wrong, right? So... Um, I entered into the into this hospital and they told me that by noon I should be out and okay. And unfortunately that wasn't the, the case because uh, while in the surgery, uh, 
something went wrong with the with the equipment that they were using and uh, a 30-minute surgery turned out to be like almost an eight-hour eight surgery because uh, they didn't have the, the proper equipment to continue the, the surgery. And uh, actually, I was in danger of losing my eye because imagine that you have your eye and it's like a, like a balloon and all of the sudden they pinch it and it just gets completely without hair, without air. And uh, that's basically what happened. I lost a lot of liquid that it's the one that keeps the, the pressure in, in the eyeball. So they try to do, well, many procedures, I guess. I cannot explain them, but at the end, what happened is that I was uh, really, really, you know, bad because uh, I almost lost my eye and uh, I am I, not going to get too much into this but uh, they did something that it affected my, my optical nerve and eventually that, that made me lose my, my sight my sight completely not only from the from the right eye, but also from the other eye, the, the, the left eye. And uh, so I basically, what happened is that I lost my sight uh, from one day to the other. Next day I was totally blind. And although they told me that we could do, we might be doing something to fix the problem, after three more surgeries and about a year of, well, I have to say it this way, of suffering this situation, I eventually got, I, I was told by a, another doctor that I should just let, let go because there was no way I could recover my sight. And uh, well, it was very, very frightening situation for me. Um, at the moment I was, uh, well, I am a, a, a systems engineer, so that means that I am into computers. And uh, at the moment, I was the, the the manager for a big company here in Puerto Vallarta that handles uh, all these sort of tourist, uh, uh, well, you know, trips and and all sort of uh, touristic adventures and and activities. So it, it's it's a big company. And uh, well, I was full of, of things to do. So at that moment, I was afraid of what was going to happen with all the things that I had to do during the week. Eventually, after the first week and the second, I realized that this was going to take a little bit longer. And over a year, after a year, I just, uh, well, got to a point in which I, I understood that that actually my job wasn't the, the, the first thing to worry about, but actually I should be worrying about my life. What was gonna happen with me? Because uh, obviously when they told me that there was no way that I was gonna recover my, my sight, this is a life changing thing that, that made me really, you know, being shocked. Uh, before that, I was kind of calm. I was trying to do many things um, as, uh, as a blind person, but without even thinking that I was blind. I was always with the thought that I was going to recover my sight. I even had the, you know, the, I don't know, I was crazy enough to go out of my house and, you know, call a taxi and get into the taxi and and go to a mall or to a bank and, and without even a white cane, just by asking the driver or whoever was around to help me get to the door and, and stuff, to just perform many activities that I, I was, you know, very used to do before I, I had this problem. And uh, it was okay for me. I mean, it wasn't easy, but uh, at that moment, I didn't see it. Uh, as uh, as something really really bad because I I had always the the belief that I was going to recover my sight. So when when I finally realized and I was told that this was never going to happen, 
Um, then I started to think, what, what's going to happen with me? I, I talked to my boss, which is the owner of the company. And he told me, you know, maybe we should start doing the paperwork so you can retire because of this, uh, you know, situation. And I agreed because I didn't know anything about disabilities, uh, nothing. I mean, when you are in the university, when you are, you know, in your profession, you, unless you are told that you need to find out about something extra, like for example, disabilities, sometimes you will see it, but not, not so deep that you can understand what's, what, what are the options for people with disabilities. So at that moment, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even, I, I didn't think that or, or knew that uh, there was such a thing like a talking computer or, or software that could read you the screen, a screen reader, right? So I, I was totally lost in that arena. And uh, so the first thing that I thought is to, to myself is, well, uh, this is goodbye for me. This is the end of my life and I'm never going back to work. So at least I should have something that I can live on. I mean, uh, this uh, retirement uh, and all these uh, well, the benefits that they gave you when, when you are on, uh, on uh, what we call here in Mexico, a social security base, right? Uh, it's like a it's something that they pay you afterwards and, and you can live on that money. So anyway, uh, at that point, I was covered on that. However, I didn't know what to expect uh, from that moment on. Uh, I had two choices. One was going to Chicago, to try to find a blind school there. And the second was going to Mexico City and my, my, my thoughts at that moment were, well, you know, you live in Mexico City. Mexico City is, well, I didn't live in Mexico City. I, I was living here in Puerto Vallarta as well, but I was like, uh, okay, I live in Mexico. Mexico's reality is different from the, that in the United States. So it's better if I go to a Mexican blind school because I'm sure that they're going to be able to teach me exactly how to handle Mexico's uh, streets and, you know, the, the way we, we move from one place to the other. And I wasn't wrong. I mean, actually, it was, it was a good choice because, uh, I mean, I have to say that I had good, good training there in Mexico City. I found out that the, the biggest blind school in Mexico was actually in Mexico City. It's called the uh, National Blind School. That's, that's uh, like uh, a government school that, that you know, receives people from all over Mexico. It is, uh, it's like a nursing home because uh, uh, they, they receive all the people. You can live there. You can eat there. They provide you with everything. And yet, I uh, at that moment, I didn't feel like staying at, at school. So my second choice was to attend school every day uh, on a regular schedule and go back home with my, my family, in this case, my brother's house. So I took that choice because at that moment, at that moment, you feel so insecure. You really have no idea on what's going to happen with your life. And I was a little, let's say, distraught. I was afraid that eventually all my loved ones would, you know, kind of get bored of me and and just leave me alone there. You know, so so. I said, well, I, I better stay at my, my brother's house. At least he won't forget, for, forget me. And um, so that's what, what happened in the very first year. Actually, once I was in Mexico City, it took me about six months to be able to enter school because they were on strike. 
and as as strange as as it sounds, uh, yeah, the the students in blind school were on a strike because they used to have several, you know, uh, workshops and stuff that they they were uh, thought. And uh, the new administration was taking out all these benefits. And so they were, you know, complaining about that and they closed the, the, the school. And uh, it was weird. I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, is there another blind school here that I can go to? And unfortunately, <laughs> I would say that not only in Mexico, but everywhere from where I know now, uh, blindness or any other type of disability is virtually, um, you know, transparent to, to people. It's just that people don't see it. They, they, unless they become blind or they have a, a, you know, a relative that has become blind, uh, people don't care about this type of situation. So, if you ask one uh, person, you know, if there's a blind school here, uh, well, they will tell you, I don't know, because uh, it's not something that people have on, on, uh, have on their minds. And uh, the other thing is that, uh, well, at that moment, I wasn't able to, to use my computer by myself. So obviously, I had to depend on other and, uh, possibilities for me to find out other schools. Uh, in the Mexico City area was virtually uh, impossible. I mean, it, it wasn't easy for me that. So I had to wait until that school reopened. But the nice thing about this is that the first time I got into school, they gave me the tour through all the schools. Because let me tell you, the school is in the day is a very, very old. <clears throat> Okay, I'm sorry. Something happened with my my connection. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, it's fine. It will, when, okay, when, when we go back to the recording, it will, it, it will not be noticeable. The software, um, it's really weird, but the software actually kind of corrects that, kind of feeds that out, so that won't be noticeable. At all. That will be less noticeable once you once we go back to it. So, okay, so yes, oh, go go go, so, go right from so, there. Do you okay? Well, so I was telling you that I I uh, got into school. And the first time they gave me the tour through the through the building, which is a very, very old building, a three-story building, very, very big with two patios and lots of classrooms and, you know, rooms and everything. And the first thing I've noticed is that they told me, okay, so here at the entrance, we have the computer lab. And I was like, what do you mean a computer lab? What do you need a computer lab for in a, on a blind school? And they said, well, we all have to learn how to use a computer. And I was in shock because I never thought that that could be possible. So they introduced me to the computer room. I was so excited. I find out about uh, uh, JAWS software, the Freedom Scientific software. And, uh, and I was so happy that uh, I couldn't wait to get home and and try to to somehow get this this program and a new computer use it in at home you know so since i was able to i mean i was very you know into computers all it took me was just to, to get used to the you know audio interface and basically that was it i am was i was up and running by next week i was already using my computer and, uh, and well, trying to learn how to use this screen reader because obviously 
I was used to use the computer with a mouse and I was, uh, I would always be like, you know, what, what you see is what you get. So at this point, I, I, I wasn't told that uh, all these labels sometimes are labeled differently than from what people actually can see on the screen. So the first thing that I did was getting into my Hotmail account, which I thought that I would never see it again. And it was so powerful and so, so you know, I was so happy. It was just almost as if I recovered my sight. I was very, very happy. And from then on, I was very happy to go to school and try to learn new things. I started learning Braille and, uh, well, all these uh, activities, uh, what, what they call here in Mexico, um, they call it uh, home activities. And also, you know, the basic uh, uh, orientation and mobility training, which I was kind of afraid because I, I had no idea what to do and how to do it. Even though I, I bought myself a cane, uh, well, I was new to that part as well. But fortunately, uh, being on my brother's house, staying there made me, made me, you know, go out on the street because uh, for starters, I had to go every day to, to blind school. So uh, at the very beginning, I had to hire someone to take me back and forth from school. And, uh, and after that, uh, well, I would just try to, you know, go to the grocery store and buy some stuff for myself. So that's how I got into the blind world. And, uh, but I have to say that uh, even though blind school is, uh, Mexican blind school is good, the, the most important part of it is when I got into the, into the you know, virtual world, because um, let me put an example. Uh, when, when, when I was trying to get the software at school, nobody could tell me how to get the software. So someone told me, you know, I know a guy that is on the university and he might be able to help you. So I, I called him and he said, well, yeah, let's meet on the on the library which is the uh, it's called libreria mexico or mexico library that's a, a big library that has a special area for blind people and i get, i got there and i met so many people so many nice people especially and i have to say it this way especially you know students from university from high school. And that was also something very surprising to me because, uh, you know, going back to the very beginning when I lost my sight, I have to say that at least in Latin America, when you lose your sight, basically everyone sees you as a people that is handicapped or also it's a people that cannot get a job, that depends on, on people's, you know, pity. And uh, you see lots of people, sighted people begging for money, you know, for help on the street. Some of them will, will be, you know, kind of uh, selling uh, candies, but they know, I mean, they know that uh, people is not interested in buying candy, but they see that you are a, a blind person and obviously they will try to help you. They, they feel like helping you. And many people will, you know, kind of buy the candy, but they won't pick the candy. And it, it, let's say you are gonna charge uh, or you're gonna ask for say 50 cents of a dollar and they will give you $1 or $2 or whatever. So pretty much this is the way many people unsighted or blind people live in Mexico and I was afraid that this was going to happen to me at the moment that I had a good job and I had a well a very good um, you know way of living I had a, a nice house 
And so I didn't think of myself as I had to go that way. However, the first person that I talked to in Puerto Vallarta uh, about my blindness, uh, that person told me, you know, you should get together with these guys that I know. It was a bunch of, of blind people that, well, now they are my friends. Unfortunately, they weren't as lucky as I am that I could get, you know, uh, uh, an academic, uh, uh, you know, uh, education, you know, university and that. And so they actually had to do that type of, of work that I am telling you. They would have to go on the streets or get into the buses and ask for money. And uh, so when I got there with them and I met them, they told me, well, what do you what do you do? What can you do? Can you sing? Can you play the guitar? Or And I was like, no, I cannot do any of those things. And they would say, well, don't worry, we're going to teach you. So that was really, really, I mean, uh, overwhelming for me because uh, I felt, you know, their empathy on one side. But on the other side, I, I knew that I didn't want to go that way. So when I went to Mexico and I met all these young guys, students, and I found out that, uh, well, you know, life uh, is not, uh, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, how to put this? There's not an end in your life when you lose your sight but it's just, it just changes the, the way you live it. So I was very, very thankful with all these people because they showed me a better way to, to face life. And from then on, I got in communication with them and with other people through the internet. And I started learning a lot of things. And, and I am so fortunate now that I can now take all these, you know, all these learnings and uh, and share it with people that ha ha are less blessed than me, you know. Uh, right now I am running a nonprofit association for the, for the blind here in Puerto Vallarta. And that's one of the things that I am, uh, you know, focusing the most in making sure that any blind person that gets to the to the office uh, is aware and is told that uh, life is it's gonna be a little different but it it doesn't have to be worse or or bad it's just different and especially with kids especially when talking to parents when they they have a child and and it's born blind uh, you know it's it's really hard talking to these moms and dads that they are crying because they don't know what's going to happen with their son. And so that's when we come, you know, to the rescue, if we may say it, because we try to make them aware that there is, there is hope. There are many things that they can do and that we in the organization, we're going to be, we're going to make sure that they get the proper information and all the help we can provide so, so they can overcome this bad situation. And well, I am talking too much. I don't know if you want to ask me something about this. Well, you can, you can never talk too much on my podcast. This is the podcast <laughs> where, where I'm trying to get guests to talk. So that's good. It's, it's like pulling teeth, getting the guests to talk. So. Um, but you speak really well. And I think, you know, several, you know, because you did such a beautiful job telling your life story. Of course, I have several comments that I want to make about this. Um, I, unfortunately, I'll start off with the unfortunate stuff. Unfortunately, I'm not surprised, um, you know, how you became blind and, and your experience uh, with doctors and experience with medicine. That unfortunately happens to not just you but that happens to a lot of people around the world. Unfortunately, it's a big problem where people yes. go in for what should be should be a routine eye surgery. And because of lack of technology, um, or perhaps I'm not saying this was your situation at all, but perhaps lack of, of medical knowledge of a doctor 
or in some situations, both, the patient doesn't do well. Um, or in other cases, that's just life. And, you know, they, they really did do the best they could, which is probably what happened. The doctors probably did their best, but for yes. several, um, you know, underlying reasons, you know, you say you lost your vision just because of getting hit in the eye with the tennis ball. Well, who knows? You know, maybe, maybe your eye was, you know, we never know. Maybe your eye was already, maybe there were some underlying eye, you know, ophthalmology issues that maybe you didn't realize you didn't know, or maybe um that's life unfortunately you know this is you know the the thing that i must tell you you know from the bottom of my heart man is i i was born blind like you were saying there a moment ago so i can't really comprehend what it must be like to be a sighted person because i never was and then i can't understand what that must be like to you know to to become to have to become blind and have to change your life but you know the important thing is that you realize that blindness really is not the end and that we still have to go about our business. You know, whether you're in Mexico or, you know, America or Canada or wherever you are, you know, the sun still comes up the next day. You, we have to find other ways of doing the same thing, of being successful and getting things done and working and things like that. So, um, and what else can you tell me specifically about, you know, your, your nonprofit, as you say, how does it work? And, where can people learn about it and what types of projects do you work on and like how, how does all of that work? Oh, yes. Thank you. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, the, the sun always come up. So, yeah, well, the, the nonprofit organization that I am running is, uh, it was created in 2011. And uh, at the moment, um, well, after several years of being blind, because I lost my sight on 2000, uh, 2004 could be. Yeah, it was finishing 2003 and, and beginning 2004. And uh, well, after several years, I came back to, to Puerto Vallarta. Uh, by the way, when, when I was at blind school, I met this beautiful girl and we fell in love. And I, after going out for almost a couple of years I asked her to marry me and we got married and then we both came to to Puerto Vallarta so she she she's blind she was born blind and uh, you know uh, the nice thing about that is that well I, I came back to Puerto Vallarta not alone but with with a with a companion and the other thing is that Obviously, I knew that uh, just living out of my my you know my pension wasn't enough. So I was thinking to look for a job, and for about three years, I I kept looking for a job, and I just couldn't get any. I used to have a lot of friends here in Puerto Vallarta. Some of them very important people, people in the business of you know hotel business and you know traveling. And uh, it is so sad to say it, but yes, I mean, when, when you just lost your sight, everybody comes over to see you and tell you whatever you need, just let me know. And I remember at some point, one of them telling me, you know, Alex, don't worry, we're going to get you, we're going to get you a, a guide dog and, and I'm going to give you a job, so don't worry. And I was like confident about that because I thought to myself, well, if he's offering that, probably it's because it's not that difficult. Eventually, I knew that, uh, well, getting a, a guide dog is not as easy as that. Obviously, this friend didn't know about that. He was, he was just thinking about what he had seen before, you know, people with a guide dog. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the second part of, of his offer, which was the offering me a job, at the end, couldn't happen because actually he didn't know what to what to do with me. I mean, he he had no place to put me because he didn't have any uh, idea on on what was my my you know my capabilities. Even though I am a systems engineer, at that moment you are not thinking as as just, well, this guy has an education and he should be able to perform several things and that he doesn't need a, 
you know, the sight, the, the, to see, to look at things. But at that moment, uh, you just, you know, kind of froze yourself or, or in this case him. And we didn't know what to do. And eventually that opportunity just got lost because uh, he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And, uh, but you know how lucky I was that uh, at some point a friend told me, you know, I heard that in, in the government, uh, there's a government agency here called DIF that it's intended for helping families in different type of, uh, you know, situations, social situations. And, and one of those is health. And he told me that they were looking for, for a person to teach people uh, different skills for, you know, for blind people. And I was like, oh, really? Well, I can teach them computer. And when they heard about that, they were so happy because actually that's what they were looking for. They were looking for a computer teacher. teacher, And they didn't have anyone with that expertise. And uh, so basically I was the only one blind in Puerto Vallarta that knew how to use a computer. And so they offered me a job. Obviously, at the very beginning, they couldn't offer me, you know, a salary because, uh, well, you know, well, in Mexico, government works different than in other places. So they knew they have the need, but but they didn't have the the, the budget to to offer something. And I said that that's okay. I don't mind about the money because actually, when I left the blind school. I promised to myself that I wouldn't let any other blind person that I knew to go in the wrong direction because uh, at some moment I made a, you know, this thinking about what would have happened if I had known what to do in case you lose your sight and you are still on a, on a job like myself. I mean, I was in a totally, you know, um, management uh, position and so I all I have to do is use the computer you know I knew how to work around in the business so basically I had everything and if I needed something extra well I could always ask my secretary uh, but at the moment I didn't know that so so that's why I retired and after a few years I I thought to myself well what would have happened if I knew what I know now at that moment? Probably I would have asked my, my boss, you know, give me six months or give me three months. And I, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll be back and I will continue doing what I, what I do. And you will not notice a slight difference. But uh, obviously that never happened. So... I thought to myself, well, if, if there's anyone out there that needs to know anything about blindness, I want to make sure that I I can meet that person and I can help them and let them know what, what are their options. So when they offered me this job, I, I accepted immediately and well, I worked like for about six months without receiving any pay, but I was happy. I was very, very happy. And after that, well, things got better. And uh, by meeting all these people, eventually the, I got into the into the blind organization here for Puerto Vallarta, and eventually I become the you know kind of the the director for this organization, and that's what I am currently doing. I don't get any pay out of that uh, of this job on the on the organization. But it's okay for me because, you know, on the other hand, I have to say that when you lose your sight, somehow, even though you can go to rehab and, and think that you have accepted everything the way it is right now, you still have to have some sort of, you know, fuel to, to make your life work. And this fuel is the chance to help other, other people. Because uh, at some point, uh, at some point, you you, well, in my case, by, uh, because of my age, you know, I I got that 
you know, uh, there was a time when I, I, I was kind of feeling not so healthy and I, I, I didn't want to quit. I just wanted to keep on going and, and you know, and, and try to do my best. And that makes you, that, that works miracles on you because when you feel that you are needed, somehow your body gets that reaction, that, that feeling and and you really get better when you are and i can tell you this by experience of others because i have received many many people when they they lose their sight they feel that that's the end of their lives and then they are struggling with their parents or with their you know with their families and they stay home and they don't go out and they are sad and they are so overwhelmed by all this loneliness and even though you go there and talk to them, sometimes uh, you are kind of late because they 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 get several, you know, they get sick. And at some point that they, well, I have, you know, I met uh, like two or three guys, very, very sad cases in which they just died. And I would say that they died because they were so sad and they just didn't have the will to keep on living, you know, to, to 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 feel that they are you know what what would be the word uh, necessary for other people to 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 be around you know and uh, I've read about this and and definitely yeah that's one thing that you have to have in your life you have to try to help others so that you can feel good about yourself and at the same time you are taking care of somebody else at least if you are not going to be able to help people like myself that I work on a on an organization uh, it's good to have a pet because uh, as crazy as it may sound I mean having a pet that you have to take care of uh, I mean it gives you the will to to keep on fighting you know to to stay healthy to stay focused on living and knowing that if you if you die at in, at this right moment, what's going to happen with your pet? And uh, well, uh, it's it's really something that I have noticed, and I I can say that uh, it's it's true. I mean, it's not something that people you know psychologists or people that that work on work on this area. At, tell you is not is not just uh, talking it's true and well that's that's what I am doing right now uh, with this lockdown I've been for one year and a half in my house and it's been hard as well uh, it's difficult because especially when you are talking to people and you are trying to teach them especially if you're trying to teach a computer, uh, a computer, a telephone, how it works. Um, it's not easy when you are going through a, you know, a, a Zoom connection. Uh, it is important because uh, at least you talk to their parents or to someone that can see you on the camera and you can show them and somehow guide them through the basic steps so they can start, you know, getting some some help and something to 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 work on you know like for example a telephone can do miracles with 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 the blind community because well i'm not going to tell you what you already know what what many things you can do with a telephone and a bunch of apps so that's that's what i am doing right now from time to time, if possible, I go out to schools and talk to, you know, to people, to students, to teachers, to the principal, because that's the other way that we have to help. Uh, sometimes the students, they want to go to school. Parents want to take their, their, their children to school. But uh, unfortunately, in Mexico, there, there are many people that they don't know anything about you know, disabilities. And when they receive a student, a kid 
that is blind, they say, well, what am I going to do with him? There's no way I can teach him. And uh, even though there is uh, an area in the government and in the education, um, you know, education part of the government, or I don't know how to say this. Perhaps well, ministry, in this ministry. The, yeah, that's right. The, the, the Ministry of Education, they do have programs in which they include person, people with disabilities. However, this doesn't get to schools in the best way, you know, because sometimes, you know, the teachers, they they either are close or narrow-minded or they yeah. simply don't yeah. have any idea. And mm -hmm. the, the easiest way to go is just to tell the kid, no, you cannot be here. And once you tell them and you, you talk to somebody else up, upward in the in the in the in the in their school uh, they receive the the child but still we have to take care of that area as well because there's nobody else who can teach them how to handle this type of situation with kids you know so we help them we we get uh, you know specialized people in the in the in education for the blind And so we provide with, uh, you know, some seminars and things that can help the teachers. And uh, well, that's that's basically what we do. And I think that uh, so far it's working. It's not as good as we would like to because definitely um, there are many other social situations that are affected by people. Uh, for instance, uh, When they, as, as teachers, they think that, well, okay, this guy is blind, so I'm going to go easy on him. And even if he, uh, you know, I, I'm going to test him. And if even if he fails, I'm going to let him pass because, I mean, he's not going to be able to do anything else. So, and that's wrong. I mean, they should push us just like anybody else. And, uh, and make sure that, you know, parents, teachers, and everyone is concerned about these kids that they need to do their best of their efforts to accomplish what any other kid can do. So, well, that's a different topic, but yes, definitely, yeah. Yeah. we have to be working yeah, on that you area. Know, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the same is true, even in the United States, Um, and I, I really think that the blindness journey is a global journey. There's blind people all over the world, um, mm -hmm. you know, that I've had the privilege of speaking with who have been telling me, ironically, a lot of the same stories over and over again, that, that this is how society is. Yes, I have dealt with people who have not been willing to challenge me in life. Um, and that's very problematic, and that is a for, that is a form of of, of discrimination. Um, we yeah. don't always see it that way, but that's uh, a form of discrimination that I personally take offense to. Um, so I think I think you're a hundred percent correct. It's not it's not appropriate. Um, it's not appropriate in the United States, um, but it still happens. And it's not appropriate in Mexico, but it still happens. So. Unfortunately, this is how people are in, in our society, Alex. You know, there's we will always deal with with ignorant people um, and people who don't know and people who are who are just not kind and not able to understand things. That's, that's is a, is yes, a lot. We, we have we have a lot of those people even in America. We have we have ignorant people. It's it's a big problem. Um, yes. in the United, you know, I mean, we, we have a big country, so, you know, statistically, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of incredibly uninformed people uh, in America. Oh, Some yeah. of them are are ignorant on purpose. Other times they're just simply not aware of things, which which is, uh, as you hinted to it, it's a huge problem there in Mexico where, well, maybe if people actually had this knowledge, maybe if they listen to this episode of the podcast, maybe they'll they'll be able to learn even more about this. A lot of this, and um, you know, and and our and our great friend Anna from Blind with a Vision, when she was talking to me a couple of weeks ago, she had the same concern, and she you know expressed it a little bit in in a different you know in a different way, of course, but she said the same thing that a lot of times, a lot of these challenges can be solved 
if people only understood the truth and had the knowledge to, to, to get things done. But oftentimes, people are not knowledgeable about blindness and, and, and disability. So um, I think that's a really, a really, really interesting point and a really, really important one. So, yeah. So, I mean, if someone um, wants to learn more about your organization or if someone wants to help, you know, your organization, um, I mean, of course, I was going to ask you on the WhatsApp, but of course, can you give me like the website so I can put the website in the in the description? Uh, is it do you sure. guys have a website for your organization? Yes, we have a fan page on, on Facebook, which is what many people that's, use right excellent. now. Sure, sure. That's fine. So, yeah, yeah. Later on. Yeah. At a later date, if you can send me that link, that, that I can send you the link. Yes. Yeah. That, that would be really good because people really need to be aware. Hey, I mean, j just think of it, Alex, as I said. You're the first Mexican in Mexico to be on Aaron's opinion. I've had other Mexicans living in other parts of the world who have spoken to me in the States, but you're the first Mexican in Mexico to be on Aaron's opinion. Oh. So just think, <laughs> just think, hey, what if we get other, you know, other Mexican, you know, listeners in the audience and and the, the, the hope and what I am secretly concerned of and Anna is not secretly concerned with this. She's very concerned about this is that mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in Mexico or other Latin American countries that desperately need this knowledge, that desperately need to know that your organization is there for them and cares. And you clear, you clearly care, or else you wouldn't be talking to some stranger on the internet, right? So, <laughs> but, but, the point, but the point is, we really need to get this message outwards. And your, yes. your monologue was, was really perfect. For someone who's so shy in English, I don't know what you're shy about. Your English was fine. It was a beautiful <laughs> monologue, um, but but I, I am I am terribly concerned that I've noticed. I've been podcasting for two or three years. I've noticed that that the majority of my audience is not from your region, and I've I've never seen the Mexican flag on my analytic tool. Now I know I will because I know you're a fan of Aaron's opinion. Eventually, but. You know, I think the point here is that, that there are a lot of people with disabilities in Mexico and in other Latin American countries that don't even know that you exist, that don't even That's know right. that your organization can can and will help them. So, I mean, this is, this is a very concerning problem when you think of it from a, you know, disability standpoint, because surely, I, I mean, I don't know who they are, but I would imagine that that there would be ways in the future for you or other blind people to work, you know, successfully in the civil service of Mexico. Um, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, what do you think? I mean, you kind of gave me the idea that, that it would be very difficult for a blind person in Mexico, which I don't, I do not doubt that for a second. I'm sure it is. But I mean, do you know of any like, like agencies in the government there where a lot of the people with disabilities work or, or would you say that it's still pretty difficult for blind people in Mexico to work in the civil service and things like that. What do you think? Well, you know, it's, uh, we are, we are, there is a lot of uh, help, but uh, I would say that it's concentrated mostly in the, in the big cities like uh, Mexico City, Guadalajara and Monterrey which are very big cities. But out of that, in the rest of the country, it's difficult. Uh, we are always looking to, to either going to Mexico City or to uh, the nearest major city, uh, to, to the place where we are. And uh, fortunately, uh, things are changing. Um, there are several uh, nonprofit organizations in Mexico that are doing the same work that we are doing here in Puerto Vallarta. We are trying to get together and to, you know, make a kind of a single front or to, so that we can talk to, to the entire society in Mexico. Um, yeah, I am aware that uh, obviously, as I was telling you before, that there is a lot of people, you know, well, I cannot give you the exact uh, uh, statistics, but uh, we can agree that a major part of the population, the blind population in Mexico is living below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. 
uh, or what they call here in Mexico, the poverty line, which is people that they don't have a job or they don't have uh, an income that is good enough to, to make a good living. And that makes it difficult because they have no chance to, you know, get any any education. They some 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 of them they don't even have the chance to get a phone line, or anything. And that's that's that makes it really really hard for us to to reach them. You know, to 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 help them. Um, so what we do is. Uh, we are trying to get to those people and you know inform them and depending on the situation sometimes we provide them with computers with telephones with uh, material or, or types of material you know uh to to write in braille um i don't know i mean there's a lot of things that, that that we have to do. Some don't even have the chance to buy a cane, their own cane, so we have to provide Understood, them. understood. Yes. This isn't, this isn't just your problem. It, it seems, I know that it seems like it's your problem because you're, you're, you're the one who has to do all the work and figure it out, but yeah. this, is, this is a, this is not just you. This is, I mean, we have these problems in the United States as well, which is why oh, yeah. the, 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 the first thing, no, no, of course, of course, it's incredibly difficult there. I'm not, I'm, by no means, I am not trying to say for even a heartbeat of a second that it's easier or easier or more difficult. I'm not. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying we have these. We have serious problems with the disability community in the states. Um, but the first thing that, that we can do to to help is talk about it. Come to this podcast. Have a conversation yes. with me, and just get the word out. Just create the, awareness. Just and, and and I'm not saying by no means I'm not saying that 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 getting awareness out and getting the word out is the only thing that will solve the problem. It, it it's absolutely not the only thing that needs to happen, but without any doubt, it's one of the most important things because if people don't know, remember, there's a lot of people in your region that don't know who you are yet. They will mm -hmm. after I publish this, and they should know who you are because you're a great person, and they should. You would be surprised. Yes. Yes. That. Uh, I don't know if you you knew, but uh, a couple of weeks ago we got hit by a hurricane. It was you know, called Hurricane Hurricane Nora. Yeah, we've been having a lot of hurricanes here in 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 the oh, states yes. lately. Oh yeah, actually, well, it's hurricane season in both sides in the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. So, well, what happened here is that we got hit by one of these big hurricanes. Actually, it was a cat a cat cat one, which wasn't that you know, frightening. However, it it hit right in the downtown area of Puerto Vallarta. So oh, it was so hard. I mean, it was so hard that one four-story building crumbled, oh, um, two rivers overflowed, and yeah. uh, two bridges completely collapsed. It was really, really hard. Uh, the You know, the rivers... Uh, well, Look, I'm very, create a I'm lot very of destruction. Sure, 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 Alex. I'm I'm very sorry about that. Um, I, uh -huh. I I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to cut you off by any means, but I I just want you to know, it's truly been a pleasure having you here, and know that you're a you're a Thank forever you. member of of Aaron's opinion, um, <laughs> and you'll be added to my WhatsApp group. You can talk to all of our guests from around the world. Even hey, even Anna's in there. You can you can talk to Anna on my group. That, <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say. I, I talk too much, but you know, uh, on YouTube there were lots of uh, news about these and mm -hmm. a lot of American people. So I'm sure that there is a lot of uh, American community, English speaking people that will uh, know about your podcast. I appreciate it. So, of course, as I like to say, we're coming to the end of the hour. I like to record for an hour. I think that's good. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, I know that we will record again anytime you'd like, so you can keep telling your story. You're always welcome. I'm, you're always Thank welcome you. on this podcast. Anytime you need to talk to me, you're welcome 100% of the time. But, you know, um, I don't know if you've listened to my content before or gone through any of my videos in the, in the past, but you know how I end these episodes by saying uh, it's been a Pleasure having you here. Um, well, it's, a, it's and, a pleasure. And I always like to say, if you can, um, if you can ask me only one question to really make me sweat to see if I'm worth my salt as a podcaster, what do you want to ask me? Wow.
that was oh i wasn't expecting well i don't know uh i'm sorry for the dark I'm, <laughs> it's, it's I love my dogs. yes uh okay well um i don't know really you cut me off guard <laughs> but uh i i would say that I, instead of asking you for some uh, for, for a question i just want to congratulate you because i mean creating a podcast is it sounds some, something that it's easy but it's not and you know keep on pushing and creating content and making sure that it gets to people to the people i mean that's that's really something and i i really thank you for doing that job because you are making you know people notice us as, as a blind community Perfect. so thank you so much for that and and i could not have asked to end it on a better note thank you thank you so much alex you are you are always welcome here um i'm glad that you, you love the podcast and just keep up your great work as well and of course uh we'll talk anytime you like all right everybody excellent all right everybody excellent recording excellent episode um thanks so thanks so much You've been listening to Alejandro's Castle right here on Life Improvement Radio or wherever you get a podcast, even maybe on YouTube, where actually the majority of you like to watch Aaron's opinion. All right. Anyway, Alex, you did a great job. And I'm sure that between now and January, uh, you'll show me more information. You'll send me that link so that we can tell everyone about the great organization that you are running down there in Puerto Vallarta, okay? Um, so thanks so much for joining me. It was really an honor and a pleasure uh, to have you here at Aaron's Opinion. And I really agree with, uh, with you that we really need to start sharing these episodes more and more and telling more people to tune in because this is the knowledge that people need to have. Anyway, though, I don't want to talk too much on the outro, um, but... But anyway, that was that was a great recording. I really learned a lot from you and I really enjoyed having you. And you are you are forever welcome here on, on Aaron's Opinion. All right? All right. Anyway, telephone number for text message contributions or voicemails, as I say in the intro, 1240-681-9869. Or of course you can email anytime, Aaron's Opinion6 at gmail.com. A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com follow on facebook and twitter comment on youtube even consider becoming a patron on my patreon page we appreciate the support alex that was a great episode thanks so much everybody for listening to alejandro's castle i really enjoyed that one today as always um and we'll see you next time so as i like to say here on aaron's opinion help one person today help a million people tomorrow aaron richmond from aaron's opinion on Life Improvement Radio, on the Helium Radio Network.